does remarkably well. Nowadays, dying from a microbial infection is a very rare event in developed countries, whereas only a hundred years ago, 75 million people died worldwide over a span of two years from the H1N1 influenza virus, also known as the Spanish flu. We have become so efficient at avoiding infections that the appearance of a dangerous strain of Escherichia coli, a.k.a. E. coli, in a beef shipment, or Listeria monocytogenes in spinach leads to massive recalls and exportation bans, along with accompanying media hysteria. Microbes scare all of us, and rightly so since some of them are truly dangerous. As a result, with very few controlled exceptions, such as yogurt or beer, we often think that the presence of microbes in something renders it undesirable for human use. The word antimicrobial is a sales feature in soaps, skin lotions, cleaning supplies, food preservatives, plastics, and even fabrics. However, only about 100 species of microbes are known to actually cause diseases in humans. The vast majority of the thousands of species that inhabit us do not cause any problems, and in fact seem to come with serious benefits. At first glance, our war on microbes, along with other medical advances, has truly paid off. In 1915, the average lifespan in the U.S. was 52 years, about 30 years shorter than it is today. For better or for worse, there are almost four times more humans on this planet than there were just a hundred years ago, which translates to an incredibly accelerated growth in our historic timeline. Evolutionarily speaking, we've hit the jackpot. But at what price? Revenge of the Microbes The prevalence of infectious diseases declined sharply after the emergence of antibiotics, vaccines, and sterilization techniques. However, there has been an explosion in the prevalence of chronic non-infectious diseases and disorders in developed countries. One hears about these in the news all the time, since they're very common in industrialized nations, where alterations to our immune system play an important role in their development. They include diabetes, allergies, asthma, inflammatory bowel diseases, IBDs, autoimmune diseases, autism, certain types of cancer, and even obesity. The incidence of some of these disorders is doubling every ten years, and they are starting to appear sooner in life often in childhood. They are our new epidemics, our modern-day bubonic plague. By contrast, these diseases have remained at much lower levels in developing countries, where infectious diseases and early childhood mortality are still the major problems. Most of us know someone suffering from at least one of these chronic illnesses, Due to this prevalence, researchers have focused their attention on identifying the factors that cause them. What we now know is that although all of these diseases have a genetic component to them, their increased pervasiveness cannot be explained by genetics alone. Our genes simply have not changed that much in just two generations. 
but our environment sure has. About 25 years ago, a short scientific article published by an epidemiologist from London attracted a lot of attention. Dr. David Strachan proposed that a lack of exposure to bacteria and parasites, specifically during childhood, may be the cause of the rapid increase in allergy cases, since it prevents proper development of the immune system. This concept was later termed the hygiene hypothesis, and an increasing number of studies have explored whether the development of many diseases, not just allergies, can be explained by this hypothesis. There is now a large amount of very solid evidence, which we'll examine in the following chapters, supporting Dr. Strachan's proposal as generally correct. What remains less clear is what exact factors are responsible for the...